Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This record is, is a whole lot about the supernatural, I suppose, and, and that it's, it's about a death and the questioning of what potentially happens after that. I welcome special guest Andy Hunt from Manchester Orchestra. How are you? Hi, Kesha. How are you? I'm good. I think. I'm good. <laughs> it's a debatable answer, I think. <laughs> I think everything <laughs> all the time. is relative. I agree. Yeah. It's it's pretty good today. Things are all right. Good. And where are you? Yeah. Joining us from? I'm at our at our studio in Atlanta. Thank you for joining us. This is a show about really anything supernatural, but also spiritual or unexplainable, or just the things that excite me the most in the world are the things that are a little intangible and yeah, absolutely things you can't quite put into words. So I decided to uh, talk about it a bunch. <laughs> Even all the stuff you can't really put into words. But I think as musicians, we kind of do that anyways. I totally agree. I think it's funny when I got the uh, description of the show, um, it was like, you know, alien and ghosts are, you know, highly encouraged to be talked about. I'm like, well, our newest song, the chorus says ghosts. And then a single from our last records, the alien. Oh yeah, I, like I, I can do this. To this it. is going to work. <laughs> so do you believe in the supernatural? What's your experience and your relationship with the supernatural? Yeah. I mean, certainly I think that there's a lot of stuff going on that we, you know, probably can't see and sometimes can see or feel. Um, I think there's something supernatural about music, really. I, I probably feel the closest to, to some connection to maybe it's like, a purpose, an ultimate purpose or like yeah. what I'm supposed to be here. And I'm sure, you know, being a songwriter yourself, there's, there are moments where like, you really have to like hack a song. Like you got to work on that thing for a long time. And then there's other times where it's like, I think I might've just like plugged into something here yes. that wasn't, uh, wasn't, it doesn't really belong to me in a, in a, in a weird way. You know, there is no ownership, especially when that happens, like where th- I call it like things fall out of my face that don't belong to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and especially if you know right away that it's great, then it's like, okay, something just happened here, you know? And I don't know if there's a difference between, I don't know if it, one or the other makes the other 
better? I, what do you think? Like, do you think the songs that come out of you like that, or do you think they're on the same kind of level playing? It's field? just different experiences. It's kind of like, I don't know. I'm looking at a tree right now. So one's like a tree mm-hmm. and one's like a cat. Both great. Mm-hmm. Very different. And I can't, <laughs> very different like creatures. Some are just really rapid fire quick things. Then I've worked on some songs for seven to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a nice thing about those, not to divert too much into the songwriting side of it, but there is a great feeling of working on something for seven to 10 years and finally getting it right and, and not rushing that thing. Oh, please divert, by the way. This podcast is about talking about whatever. It's, it's and to div- me, spirituality okay, is song making songs. So that's not diverting at all. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel um, even though it's exhausting uh, at times and I get exhausted doing it because I get so into it. So like in the studio and putting so much time and the hours into it and pushing, pushing, pushing that I can really kind of like, you know, just empty the tank. But when I'm doing it, it's truly like, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do probably more so than anything else in the entire world, any experience I've ever had, where it's like, man, I think I've actually found like happiness yes. in this, th- these moments creating, you know? Like pure adrenaline, I was going to say. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff Tweedy just wrote this book. I don't know if you read it about um, uh-huh. like everyone should write a song. <clears throat> the concept of the book is trying to teach people who don't think that they can write songs to write songs because it's an experience that like every human should actually have this connection to. And I agree with that. I'm trying to talk to my kids about that. It's like, I don't want to force you to like come into the studio or do anything, but like I gave my daughter my old phone and took everything off of voice memos and just let her say like, here's how you want to record a song and just record a song. And it's linked to my iCloud and I'll get these, I'll, I'll, I'll be somewhere in the studio and look and I'll see, Oh, she's, she's tracked something else herself, you know, and it's in her room going, you know, the walls are pink and the life <laughs> is good. You know, it's all the, the beauty of a five-year-old girl. I'm so happy that my, <laughs> my recordings from when I was five were not linked to someone mm-hmm. else's iCloud to listen to. That's like, it's terrifying. I'm totally invading your privacy. You're right. I didn't realize it's right now. It's like 1984 Big Brother shit. (laughs) Totally. I actually used one of them on our new record. I used a couple of them. Asked her permission, of course, but like thought it would be a really cool way to... This record is is a whole lot about the supernatural, I suppose, and and that it's, it's about a death and the questioning of what potentially happens after that. And she's telling this story. Um, to me on the phone that I recorded without her knowing I'm recording her about the boy who cried wolf. And it was this beautiful, she's this sweet little innocent voice. And she's talking about the story of sort of like innocence lost and like a mistake that, you know, this little boy's making in order to kind of have attention. And this, and it was this sort of full circle feeling for me. It's like, man, um, I love intertwining that with the art that I'm making too, you know, like having, having those little things be a part of it. But I agree with you. The, the stuff I was making was like on a cassette and it was me like rapping Joyful Joyful from Sister Act 2 oh. you know, or something like horrifically embarrassing. My God, please find that. <laughs> I know where it is. <laughs> you do. See, I think that it's an embarrassing job. It can be because you're burying your soul and you have to be totally like in your feelings and all your emotions and be so dramatic about it all. And that sometimes... And is- believe yourself. That's yeah. the other part too. It's like, and in, in, in the performance aspect of that, I totally agree. It's mortifying. You know, like when you really kind of get the drone view of what we do, it's, it is, it's, it's super embarrassing. And so the, embarrassing. the vulnerability though, is the thing I think that connects with people, you know, the most, I find that when I'm being my most honest and saying something that I believe more so than even trying to make a statement or teach to people or preach to people, I feel like that's the thing that connects the most that, that has this kind of almost supernatural, you know, connection with, with folks. Well, I think part of the, the supernatural thing that's this almost like I call myself like a spiritual explorer at the moment because I have no fucking yeah, other jobs because totally. I can't tour. So <laughs> I'm, I've taken on the role of a spiritual explorer. The thing that's been so eye opening the past, like, you know, quarantine time, it's been like, we're all very, very connected and we can try to separate whether it's religion or, you know, what group you're in or what thing you're into. And we all like have what bands we like or whatever it is. 
but we're all so connected. And I think just realizing how connected I am, not only to like the earth and the moon and my animals and my friends, just once you realize you see, and God has such a weird baggage, such a weird word, but like you see the universe, not only in yourself, but in everybody you deal with. It's helped me be a little bit more patient because that connection is what has made me be like, oh wait, we're all the same. Like we're not really that Mm, separate. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and we're attempting to figure out the same things and we're all, you know, ultimately in a search, whether it's, you say it in an incredibly poetic way or just, just a flat out way. I do think it's like, we're all looking for peace and connection and um, acceptance. You know, I think that's, that's another big one. And Um, seeing each other for who you really are. I think that's been a struggle for me in my life. I don't know if it's the same on like the male end of being an artist spectrum, but as like a female, it's just, it's really weird. Cause like, you're just this being. Yeah. I can't imagine that. And I I can see how that would be. It almost feels like you're having to do more than just the job that you've, you know, that you want to do, you know, and that seems brutal. I I hate in the very, (laughs) yeah. I hate in the small areas of my career when I have to go do something that I didn't like that was a part of, you know, the, it's like, oh, it's part of what you do. It's yeah. like, oh, well, I really hate this. I might've not done this if I knew this was like a part of it. Um, <laughs> um, but I do, I, I could totally understand, especially somebody, you know, you, you and I, I think are about the same age and we met really young too. when we were like starting our careers together, I think we both met in 2008 at Lollapalooza, Lollapalooza. Like a, million, a million lives ago. Oh my God. That um, was such an important moment for my life. Is that a really important moment for your life too? Yeah, it is. It absolutely like is. Like that moment yeah, that a big, is a big punctuating mark in my life. If I were to draw a graph of my life, that would be a very, very important moment. The day we met. That's wild because that's, that is the same exact feeling I have. That was the first time that like, it felt like it could be real. Like maybe this is actually yes a same thing, oh know? my god I just got chills because it was like I was like oh shit like all this manifesting and believing in myself and all that mm. kind of hokey bullshit that I've been telling myself since I was little and my mom's been telling me and my friends and managers and it's like all of that is actually like manifesting into a real life experience where people are watching me perform and I feel like I'm gonna shit my fucking pants. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> And I was like, okay, get it together, bitch. Don't shit your pants. And then my mom handed me a shot of whiskey and she's like, fucking relax, take this and just go. And I was like, okay. Oh, I I needed your mom in that moment for sure. (laughs) You know, my coping mechanism was like, well, you're really insecure on stage. So just look extremely angry and never (laughs) smile. (laughs) That's how we're going to get out of this. Um. I always do that whenever there's a photographer. I'm like, just look really pissed because you look cooler. Then when you're smiling, you look like a fucking it's, loser. It's so funny. Why is that it that so when you funny. smile that you look like a loser in pictures? I like specifically try not to smile in pictures because I look like a fucking dork. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I tried to do a reverse bit of that in like 2013, 14, where I maybe crack a little smile on a picture. It's like, no, you just don't look great. <laughs> well, it just looks infinitely less cool. But then also making the Zoolander face. Also cringy. It, it, it is. You can't it's, win. Uh, I just, I worked with um, the very lovely Paris Jackson last year on her debut album. Oh, I listened to it. I loved it. Actually here. Thank you very much. We, she was in Atlanta working on something during the Manchester photo shoot. We were working on a song together and someone said, well, y'all should snap some pictures together because you got this song coming out and we do it. And the photographer immediately, I've been taking photos all day. She pops in for one picture. Photographer's like, oh my gosh, she's just got it. I'm like, well, what's she doing? You know, like, what's the deal? And she goes, it's heroin chic. You must look like everything is dead to you. (laughs) That's what they want to see. Look like you're dead inside. Look like you're dead inside, and then you look the coolest on camera. Like, Damn, <laughs> that's really depressing. And I'm gonna fight so the system by smiling and laughing as much as possible and being a fucking agree. embarrassing human being. Yeah, be it and embrace the nerd, embrace the strange. That's it's it's more that's the more important part, you know. Well, Buddha's always smiling. It's very true. We've got a Buddha right out there, a little baby Buddha in the in the live room. Um, it's always smiling. See, and he looks 
like not a loser. So true. <laughs> Very peaceful, in fact. <laughs> like maybe like the goal. So I think joy is important. I'm going to start smiling in photos and look less serious. That is my commitment to you. Not that you asked me to make that, that commitment. <laughs> no, I'm going to make that commitment back to you. And the next time we see each other, we'll go, look at this terrible photo of both of us smiling. <laughs> <laughs> look how much of a loser I look like, but we're being Buddha-like. We're proud. <laughs> Yes, exactly. We're proud. Um, when was the first song? Can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. When was the first song you wrote that you felt connected with people, even if it was on a smaller, like you were really young or you're playing a coffee shop or whatever it was? Like, do you remember what was the song? And is the song embarrassing now to look back on? Oh, or? well, yes. I have quite mm-hmm. an embarrassing, I've written my past riddled with embarrassment. I'm trying to figure out how to write about how embarrassing it is to be in my skin suit, but I haven't quite figured out how to do that in a cool way because I just can't be like, I am so embarrassing. Like that's not a good song. So I'm trying. That's that's exactly what I would do. (laughs) Just say that exact word. (laughs) But yeah, I wrote a song when I was like 13 about this guy and I was drunk off him like pink champagne. I'm 13. I've never Mm -hmm. had a sip of champagne. I'm an idiot. Totally. (laughs) And it was like, it was like a friend of the family. And I was like, you're just, it's just all very, very embarrassing. When I look back upon it and I think that there were kids in my class that were like, I really like this song. I just hope no one in the world ever hears it. Yeah, that no one got a copy of it somehow. (laughs) I was burning CDs of my first EP like on a little MacBook and selling them to people for $5 so I could save up to like buy an iPod or something like that. Um, And they're horrible. And it was obviously about one girl. Yeah, that everyone knew (laughs) at your school (laughs) and you're selling it at the school, school, at the small school, at the small school. (laughs) (laughs) And you like call the song. I straight up wrote a song called Stephen about my crush who was named Stephen. Like no names were changed. Just horrible. I reversed the name (laughs) and her name was Tori. And this song was called I Rot. (laughs) (laughs) We're so I don't know how I thought I'd get away with that at a certain point. The the jig was up immediately. I didn't even pretend. At least you weren't creative about it. It's just with Steven. (laughs) I didn't even like change the pH to a V like fully. It's about this guy. It's it's about Steven. It's about you, dude. We're still friends. Surprisingly, our friendship (laughs) lasted. That's like that's great. Lasted over. I still know Tori. You do? Yeah, we're we're we're, yeah, we're still good. Yeah, me and Tori. I saw I saw her at Atlanta Hawks game a few years ago. Things are okay. I think because you're so young too. It's like they're kind enough to go like, that's okay. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Is it flattering to have a song written about you, even if you like don't change the name or just put the name backwards? Like, is that flattering? It's a really great question. Have you ever had a song written about you? Not that like has my name explicitly in it. Right. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever had a song written about me. Well, I'm going to write a song about you and I'm going to smile yeah, all the say, while. I think, I think we write two smiling songs about each other. That's the okay, I'm going to write you a song. That's my homework assignment. Done. Perfect. I'll do the same. Okay, great. We'll put it at the end of the podcast. <laughs> oh my God. We totally should. But you just put out. I'm I just, so dumb. Um, I just saw a video you were doing, or you were doing, I just saw a video you put out that was very on brand for the podcast. There was like, yes, there was a ghost and a child was hanging out with a ghost and everybody freaks out, but then they think they escape the ghost. But the surprise is that the ghosts come with her and she's really happy about it. So what's the story behind that? So, I mean, I think that video to me, when I read the treatment was you know, being a dad, it kind of broke my heart. And I liked this idea of, well, telling kind of a dueling narrative of like, kind of turning the genre on its head where there is a a little girl seeing kind of sort of terrifying things. that I think any little child or even adult, like as the mother at the end sees is terrifying, but she knows that it's her dad and she feels comfortable with this, this guy. And she's stoked that he's around and the mom's life is sort of falling apart vaguely in the background. Um, that was something we didn't want to like really harp on too much to make it too much of like a sad, obvious thing. But like, you know, obviously she's devastated because, you know, her, her husband is gone and this little girl is, is finding peace and happiness still being with her dad. And so I like the supernatural side of that thing. Like how cool would that be that like the haunting is a blessing and she doesn't know the difference. She's just excited to be with her daddy. Um, And then the other side of it is, I think what, I guess the metaphor is, you know, our, our, the people that we lose in our lives that matter so much to us. And we've had so much time and experience with them. They are still there. And there are times where you can turn to that, that memory, that, that it's more than a memory. It is, you know, uh, this was all, this all came from my brother-in-law, Robert, who is the part, my partner in the band and, um, you know, co-songwriter, guy that we've been making music together since I was writing songs about Tori. God bless him for sticking with me. Um, since high school. Since high school. Yeah. He was like 14 and I was 16. Oh my God, he had a cute. little studio in his basement and we would start making yeah records together. Um, but his father, and he, mar- he ended up marrying my sister. So he's literally like family. Oh, whoa. And um, yeah. And so we're, we're, we're a family business. Um, and his father was a really big influence of mine early on with songwriting, his dad was a musician and encouraged me at coffee shops when I was like playing at Qdoba for $20 at a burrito, you know, for three hours to, you know, start chopping, you know, songs up and figure out what I'm doing as a kid. And, but his, his father had a, a, I think almost four year battle with cancer and passed away Mm. right when we were writing and making this album. Um, And it affected all of us deeply. So many nights of just weeping together. And obviously I started, I write, a lot about what's happening around us. And so the record started to become about that and about watching my friend almost as a love letter to, to my best friend, Robert, you know, wanting to, to be able to fix something that I can't. And also a way to to cope with this and process this tragedy in my life that, you know, wasn't as important a tragedy, but still heavily affected me. So it was also this sort of the video felt like a very, 
uh, a unique way to tie all of that in as sort of a, a representation and a tribute to, to his dad too, of like, man, you're still so much a part of us. And the cover of our album actually is the silhouette of Robert's dad walking into the afterlife where bodies are sort of floating. Oh, whoa. And, um, I want, it, that's not, I, yeah. is that out? No, the picture, is that out or no? The picture is out. It's like, but it's, it's this big on, uh, yeah. <laughs> on digital. <laughs> yeah, you know, you'll, you'll see it on the vinyl, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was kind of a cool tribute for him. That's beautiful. And I'm sorry. That's really hard sounding and tragic. And also it's something that we as people like, it's, I don't know how you're supposed to process uh, things like death or just like tragedies. I don't know how no. to deal with and, things you know, at all, aside from writing songs about it. Like that's how I deal with everything. Yeah. That's right. Uh, you know, and, and Robert would say, if he was sitting here, this is something every single person who has lived will deal with or has dealt with. And, you know, for him, he was, he found strength. And now I'm finding this strength in it too, of like, man, well, it's okay to talk about that. And yeah. like, in fact, we should talk about that. To, and, and I was amazed that he wanted to talk about it because when I was writing it, we would have discussions. I'm like, dude, we never have to bring it up ever yeah. it can just be we can be as you know secretive as we want about this stuff it doesn't ever have to come up in interviews and he really wanted to to talk about it because he felt it was a way to help people which I don't know if you also feel this way about songwriting and how I, I feel the best when I I sort of started to realize that maybe I'm actually in like some form of medicine you know like I'm not I, smart enough to be a doctor but I maybe that's what we're kind of doing I know? million percent <laughs> believe when I started I was like just like a wild Tasmanian devil on the loose but there was always <laughs> like an intention behind everything that was like I want to make people feel safe and have a place to play. Like, I think it's really important for people to have a place to play as adults and as animals. Like my cats fucking play and bite each other all day. And it's like, we don't have that as humans. Like we don't have a place to, to play. So then I play an Mm -hmm. instrument and I play with my voice and I'll play the guitar and I'll play the piano. And it's usually pretty just like shitty. And sometimes it's really fun and funny. And sometimes it's really fucking sad, but having a place where other people could come and just have that experience with me, I realized is so therapeutic for me to share it with the people that are kind enough to give a shit to listen to it. Absolutely. Yeah. It is very like, it's like a very has become like you were saying, like I'm not smart enough to be a doctor. I dropped out of school. I got my GED. I mix up words a lot. I what I'm a, probably ADHD. I think I'm a hypochondriac. Like we got a lot going on over here. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I feel like I'm I'm matching you one for one. Just great. Each one. Just, <laughs> <laughs> but I just want people to know they're not alone in all the feelings because I feel everything. So I think if you can help one person not feel alone in whatever they're going through, like maybe a passing of a loved one then it is, that's really helpful to know you're not alone in some things. Life's fucking weird and hard and fun and beautiful, but we're all so like existentially alone. It's so nice to feel like you have some camaraderie and companionship in all the emotions. Absolutely. And I feel like those years, the, the, the hardest years for me, I guess, during that period of time was like probably like 16 to 24 when it was just like, I don't think I had felt more alone during that period of just like, man, I don't think that I can actually relate to anyone. And I think that that's such a, well, I'm just, my ADHD is now kicking in too, but it's sort of the idea of live in it. I live um, in it all day, every day. You just go, (laughs) there's no judgment here. (laughs) You know, when like having younger fans, I always felt like that sort of got a bad connotation for certain artists that like, that was something that, you know, was like not a a good thing. And it was like, man, when did you like music or connect to music more than during that period of time? Like, obviously I connect to music in a way different way and maybe even deeper way now, but maybe not. Like there might've just been something magical about that period of time that like, I wasn't ever thinking about what the snare drum sounded like or like if the lead singer was singing out of key or, 
any of that shit. It's like, you know, you go back and listen to your favorite records. It's like, oh, they sound like shit and they're amazing. Yeah. Because they connected. Oh my God, a hundred percent. And some of the records I go back and listen to and I'm just so judgy about, oh, is that a cool band or whatever? And at the time, Mm -hmm. I just liked the song. And even you were talking about your daughter, like singing into her, into your iCloud that you're secretly spying on. Like that (laughs) is really probably so inspiring because I almost feel like, I know I'm an adult supposedly, but I feel like as much as you can tap back into that childlike wonder of magic of looking at the world like that, the happier maybe, and full of excitement about everything that's going on, just like really just enjoying and appreciating and not judging and not judging yourself and being nice. You're like kind of blissfully unaware of like, a lot of things when you're that little. I agree. It's like, you want to do the things, the, the self-help things, the right things to get yourself in a spot that, you know, you can continue and, and you want to get smarter as a musician and a songwriter and producer and all those things. Um, but if you lose that, what you're talking about, I feel that's when it becomes the most frustrating. Um, I don't our know producer how... that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. Uh, um, this woman we have worked with on our last two records, Catherine Marks, this incredible uh, woman from Australia now in England. She is really a like, she's sort of like a magic believer about sounds. And, you know, she'll say stuff like the way that I, I had heard a couple records she'd worked on when we had our first conversation, but she's going like, Andy, I want every song to sound like we're walking through a house, you know? And I, and each song is a different room in the house. And I was like, oh God, like I'm so in already. And she'd say stuff like, the song needs to sound like bees. And I'd be like, I love That's that. awesome. <laughs> you know, let's make it sound like bees. That's perfect. And, you know, some people I would tell, like, I'm really excited about this. And they're like, what does she mean bees? I was like, I don't even know. I'm just excited that she is talking about music that way, you know? Totally. Oh my God. I'm working on music right now. I want it. I want it to feel like the feeling of swimming in giant ocean waves. That's awesome. Like that's my goal. What is, is, is it in both sort of the melody and the lyrics and also the music? Like the good and the bad and the, just how you get tossed around by this thing that is bigger than you. And you have to just learn to float or keep your head above water at some points. And at the end of the day, like, it's all so much bigger than you that you just like, you got to accept it. Like you're swimming in the ocean. I mean, that's the, that's, that's where I land every time I start to worry about not having all the answers. It's like, it's, it is so much in my opinion, so much bigger that it's almost, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to wonder and uh, explore. Like you would, you said a, a spiritual um, explorer. Explore. Like, I love that. That's I, I, I totally understand that. Um, and there's also a sense of that. Like there was some great quote I read, I'm going to butcher it totally, but it's like, you know, you can find, um, you can find atheism immediately. Um, you know, when you start to break it down scientifically, but the more and more that you dig down and the more you realize that so many things are unexplainable, like you'll find God or the universe, the, the, the whatever it is, is so apparent at, at the bottom of that glass, you know? Um, yes. And I love that. I love thinking that way. Me too. Because I read that your family, there's a really religious past, right? With your... Yes. Yeah. I would say, yeah. Grandfather and father, both pastors. Oh, um, that's like hardcore. I, yeah. I've, you know, I, I broke the mold. You sure <laughs> did. But it, like you still are, have a connection with the infinite consciousness of goodness or whatever the fuck people want to call it sounds like there's that absolutely. connection and that's the most important thing yeah absolutely it, you know my my grandfather was probably more i know was was more of a legalist uh, you know sort of a he would yell at people in church you know it's like during a period of time um where it was just you know more like you're doing it wrong <laughs> i would be so scared if someone tells me i'm doing something wrong i just I instantly too. cry at their face I know. <laughs> he wrote a song about it because at his at his funeral five years ago, six years ago, they played sort of like a greatest hits montage of like all of his sermons. And like he was literally like, he was just screaming at me. 
for five minutes. I'm like, oh God. And I think that had not the screaming necessarily, but sort of the old school Southern um, mentality that, that they had really pushed my dad to not be like that with us and was far more of a like, I'm going to be proud of you, whatever you decide you want to do. And I'm going to love you no matter who you decide to be. My mother was both was also like that. So I definitely had support in that sense. I never felt like I was, I was a bad kid. You weren't being like blasphemous for not being a part of a specific church. No, not at all. You know, even to this day, I don't really belong to any church. Um, I, I do like, my kids to, to a certain degree to be a part of like, you know, a community in in that way. And, um, I can appreciate a lot of things that I got from it. I could also have a pretty good idea of what I don't want to, you know, have be a part of my, my family. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Your album comes out. Yeah, April 30th is the the date it's released. Worked on it for the last several years. Um, Obviously didn't expect it to kind of come out like this, I think. But I'm not, there's nothing really special about our situation compared to anybody else's. But um, yeah, it's just, it's been an interesting experience. You know, it's, you know, when you, the usual way that you go and promote things and you can kind of, you leave and you go somewhere and then there's that time to sort of process that and, think about the things that have happened and there's really none of that here. It's just kind of go, go, go slam together. And, you know, then I'm, I'm back to dad time and, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. it. are you doing this out of your house? No, we, we bought a home in 2013 and uh, soundproofed it and renovated it. And it's, it's Manchester's home base. We run our merch from here and record everything from here. Oh, that's great. So I think, you know, at the end of it, even the album title that we just came up with, you know, uh, it's called the million masks of God Um, came from a poem. I found in like a, just a book of sort of old, I like uh, books of spiritual, you know, daily spiritual thoughts and not like the new wave, you know, you know, Christian chicken soup. You don't want to love chicken soup for the soul. You crazy. That was in every CBS across Tennessee. Just by the way. 
<laughs> our childhood. Yeah. We couldn't get away from chicken soup for the soul. No doubt. No doubt. Um, no, I like the stuff that was written hundreds of years ago by people who were still trying to figure out the same kind of stuff, you know? The um, same thing I started the podcast this, for. Yep. We're all just searching for the same shit. That's right. And this guy, um, the name of the poem is Gold Leaves. And in the poem, he talks about how when he was young, he would look for God and it would frustrate him that he couldn't find God and that it was, um, and that made him angry and defiant towards God. And um, he wanted so badly to connect to it, but the less that he could connect to it, the more and more he didn't believe it. And there's a line where it says like, behold, you know, a new day is here. And, and, and now that I'm older and I'm, I've, I've, I've ex- experienced life, I'm realizing that God is everywhere. And he says, behold, the million masks of God. It's in the leaves on the ground. It's in the trees. It's everywhere that you're looking is God. It's in people. And it's, you know, specifically in people that, um, you know, aren't really privileged and people who um, are living a much harder life than you or I know about. And um, I was really struck by that sentiment of like, man, I, I feel that way. I don't feel, you know, I think even in my earlier records, it was such a, a love hate relationship with the idea of God and, and, and just sort of getting to this peaceful place of like, Oh, I think I can accept this. And in fact, I think I can lean into it and find some peace and start getting rid of some guilt. And oh my God. And Why are we on the same page about this so hard? <laughs> Sorry, keep going. I'm sorry. No, I mean, that's 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 basically it, you know? And so the whole concept of the record, I suppose, deals with that. It's it's sort of going through this really difficult period of time that, that, that my best friend and brother-in-law was going through that I was also experiencing. And then my own journey of realizing, you know, like, man, like the, the record ends with this line of, uh, I'd say at the very end, all this time, I thought I was right. All this time, I thought I was right. It's sort of this idea of like dying. And at the very end of life, I don't think anybody, no matter what you believe or how hard you believe it, um, you're not going to be right about the, the specific thing you think is going to happen, you know, because like you just said, it's bigger than we could ever possibly comprehend. And who knows? Like we might Straight exactly. up turn nobody into does. like Teletubbies. I don't know. Like nobody knows. I love talking I about it. <laughs> I saw Teletubbies this morning on an iPad. My son was watching. Maybe we're on, maybe rough. that's maybe that's the answer. So because I'm like kind of obsessed with cult. Doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> I hope I'm the oh, you are? cool one. I hope I'm one of the cool Teletubbies. I remember there was one that was really kind of a creep. One creeped me out. I forget which one. Yeah, there, there was a nerdy Teletubby for sure. That's probably. Gonna I mean, be they, me. none of them had, none of them had great names. I think that also hurt the cause. <laughs> you know, it was like a, a binky winky and a something like that. <laughs> of course, I'm like I've succumbed to I'm going to be binky winky, but that's fine. Like I just I'm like you know what I'm into it, whatever. But even if I was right about it, and we all do turn into Teletubbies, and that's like something I was very like heavily convicted. I have like the conviction that we are turning into Teletubbies and I'm going to make a church. We're going to worship Teletubbies and give me your money and, you know, confess to the Teletubbies. The thing well, is fascinating. Okay. It's, it, it's, yeah. And it's a form of like control, right? That people like yes. want to have control over other people. I think that's really what it control is. Control and also to. like community around like, see, this is right. I'm, you're not, mm. I, we're not alone. Okay, then there's lots of us, so we're right about it. And I feel like it's comforting to some people. For me, it's just kind of like, I think everybody's probably right and wrong in all the kinds of ways, like you were just saying in your music. It doesn't matter if you're right anyways, because we all have to die, unfortunately. Yeah, we do. We're all we going to figure it out at some yeah. point. I think the the part of growing up in the church that I didn't like was, and I didn't really see that because I moved to Toronto from ages seven to 14. And my dad ended up pastoring like a non-denominational church with over 140 different nationalities. So I went from like a a white kid and a pretty white Marietta, Georgia to a place where like I was the minority in that, that church and in my school, my first school I went to, it was um, 
like there were 26 kids. I think 24 kids were Chinese and there were two white kids. And it was, so you were the minority after living in Atlanta. Yes. And it was the greatest. Those were an incredibly informative on who I wanted to become. And my parents were really smart for putting us in that situation because, you know, other than like really getting into Dragon Ball Z and all of the culture that those um, kids had that I had no idea existed, you know, just like, holy shit, they have video games I've never heard of. Like they, this, they're way cooler than me. Um, it just made me realize the world was so much bigger and that this kind of small area of the bubble, as I like to call it, I still somewhat, I live in the suburbs um, of Atlanta and there's very much a bubble here of people who, you know, don't really act like anything is happening outside of the bubble. Um, and I hate that. And I hate when the church is that bubble where yeah. I think like if there, the church should be anything, it should not be the bubble. It should be the, the come in. Right. Know? Well, I think like sometimes searching. the bubble is comfortable seeming. I don't know if you had this yeah, experience, like when, before quarantine happened, it was like, I was in the bubble of tour. I've never cooked anything mm. in my life. Ever because they've been in, it's really actually turns out not useful for end of times, not great for quarantining purposes. Like I would be the bottom of the fucking Tinder list of like, cannot cook, can sing at you. Yeah, you're gone on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> like, Me too. Like I'm immediately. Fucked. Like, I'm out. dead. Yeah. Survival of the fittest, you're <laughs> fucked. And so, yep. I'm trying to keep a basil plant alive and I'm so depressed. It's just dying in front of my eyes. I don't know what to do. I like, I give up. I forget the point. Oh, the bubble though that I was living in was just like, just go hard and like do your job and do it well and love your life. And parts of that are really beautiful, but I think I was missing like pretty much my growth is stunted at the time I started touring, which is really young. So I feel like I've yeah. had some catching up to do. It's crazy. I, I can, I can totally relate. I don't think I hadn't this, this last year was the first, we did sneak one socially distant showing. So I, I keep the streak alive, but I had played at least, you know, at least 10 to 15 shows a year, if not hundreds of shows a year since I was 17, 16, you know, I'm sure you were similar ways. Yeah. Like the idea of even being home for this long and not having that outlet. How did you feel when it first started? Cause I felt like a sense of relief a little bit at the beginning. That was like, okay, it's not, this is okay. That like the schedule sort of been like, I always loved when school or something gets canceled. I, I love oh, a canceled. Yeah. I love when thing, somebody you know? else cancels something. So then I'm like, Same. I yes. didn't cause it. But it's canceled, so I get to, so I get to fucking totally. chill. But it's not yeah. my fault, so I don't have to feel guilty. But yeah. I can secretly just, like, kick back. Okay, that's a little bit how yes. I felt at the beginning. And then I was, like, in a little bit of a Donald Trump paralysis, I think. Sure. He just scared the shit out of me. And yeah. it was just, like, a little bit with both going on, I was like, this is weird. And then yeah. I'm starting to enjoy being a person like now-ish, but for a solid like seven months, I was like, I hate this. There's so much anxiety. I don't know how to cook anything. I'm useless. What do I do with my time? I should be entertaining. Entertainment is right. useless. Is that, so, so I'm curious. Is that what it was? Like you, do you think if you would have been able to go out and play a show or like create something in the studio, were you writing? Like, or, yeah. Or did you oh, just I write. Totally chill. I write all the time because I can't help it. It's like literally a form of just being functional for me. I don't write songs because yeah, it's agree. like, it's not even that I want to. It's how do I cope with being alive? I write songs. Yeah. Amen. I totally, I can so relate. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And, and in fact, anytime you, I sit down and try to do that type oh, of thing, it, I know. it just feels so forced and strange and I get stressed out but then like I'll be I like wake up at three in the morning and write a whole song and I'll be like oh that was nice thank you yeah <laughs> whoever did that thank you totally did you did you feel peace at the beginning and then you know a, 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 so you said for a minute and then of course the impending doom like of a the world snow like a snow day kind of feeling where it's like oh yeah it's like if you got day. out of school because there was snow and you're like oh I get to like sleep yeah. in it was kind of that feeling and then 
it went into like existential crises that mm-hmm. it just, you know, I live in, I live inside of an ex- existential crisis. But then it also had me questioning, like, if you have no one to entertain, like if you don't have a show to play to a person or people, it's kind of like if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear yeah. it, does it make a sound? I'm like, yeah. if a yeah. pop singer is has all these outfits and assless chaps and blow up inflatable cats and lasers, but nobody can come to a show. What does that mean? That's fascinating. That totally makes sense why you would feel that way. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I, I, I feel I didn't realize I missed the, there was been plenty of existential crisis happening during it, but I think the show part of it was different for me because I, I didn't really know I missed it until I got in a room with the three other guys and started playing. And even though there wasn't anyone there, it was that kind of purpose thing again. It was like, Oh, like this is different than me writing a song by myself or me sitting in a studio, making something by myself. And this is a communal thing, you know, this connection. And even if it's connection to three other people in a room felt, that's what made me realize how much I actually missed it and how much it was fueling a part of me that I didn't know about, you know? So, like, so is that man. totally ego? Because that's, what I've been trying to figure out, like, it's a good is question. that just all ego that it feels so good to sing at a person versus to no one? I don't, I'm sure it probably is. You probably boil it down to equal parts ego, but I also think there's connection there. I think it's what we were talking about of like, experiencing you write a song and it's experienced by a listener or experienced by a a producer or a musician in the studio. For me, that thing is almost getting outside of the ego and being like, you want to make stuff with people. Yeah. You want to be around people and you want the feeling of, of being with people. It wasn't like, I want to impress them that I've, you know, come up with this cool, sure that exists other places, but it didn't feel like that then, you know, it was like, man, you guys all care enough about this music that you want to be in this room and work on it together. And the seed of it came from my brain. You know, like you said, at three in the morning, popped out of bed, had to write it. No other choice. I really like it. I wonder if they do. And that thing, that's that's another sort of level of magic. I know it is. Working with people, you know? Like all putting your energy, effort, and attention into one thing, I find it to be really, I'm always so thankful for the people that I create with because my brain is my problem. It won't quit. I've tried just, she's her own thing. But Mm -hmm. having other people be like, okay, I'm going to sit with you and your brain and take the time to flesh out this emotional idea that to me is really selfless. And so I'm always like, I think that's super, I'm so grateful for people that helped me kind of conjure my ideas up into songs. Totally. Do you have a, a, like a small team of people who do that? Do you have like the one, you know, woman or man that's, is, is there with you and you want to like get something down or do you try and switch it up each time? I work with like a lot of people would love to work with you, Yeah, but also, um, yeah, I work Same. with kind of just anybody that I feel like will understand because sometimes it's hard to articulate the feelings of what I want than a song to make someone feel like. So I'll like be like, I want right. it to make people feel like this and I'll jump off of something. And it's like, you have to understand <laughs> what that means. And I think it takes a special yeah. type of person to like, when you said, let's make it sound like bees. Like, yeah. That sounds like a beautiful experiment in trying to figure out what the fuck that means. Hopefully I got my vaccine. So hopefully soon you'll get your vaccine and then we can like make music with people. No kidding. That's been the, that's been the weirdest part. It's because I do love the co-write experience of like being in a room with somebody and just, there's these like jitters of like, let's make something and feel excited about making something together. And at the end of the day, it could be six hours later, could be two, could be 12. It's like, we did something. Oh my God. We when like it, it works, you know? when it actually works when and it works. sounds good, it feels like you just performed a goddamn miracle. Yeah. Cause you did, you know, like, I think, I think that sometimes I, when you finish something in a studio so quickly, it is a miracle. 
Like it shouldn't happen that quick. Especially if I do something that sounds cooler than I know I am. I'm like, whoa, what? That's a fucking miracle. That is a miracle. I just sounded so cool. It's amazing. But so that's been my experience. Wait, I haven't even asked you any of the creepy questions. Hold on. I'm supposed to ask you. (laughs) Oh, okay. I do have a question about an Australian wizard. I was told you were, you encountered an Australian wizard and I need to know what that means. (laughs) Yeah. I I can understand why you would want to know what that means. Okay. So I, uh, okay. Little backstory. I, I dropped out of high school before on my, for my senior year. So my senior year, I spent it like making a record and, yeah. and touring the, like the Nashville, Birmingham, Columbia, South Carolina, wherever the little circle around where we were. But my school was taking a trip to Australia right before that year. And so I thought this is a great opportunity. I could go to Australia and a bunch of my friends were going and we'll just go. And it was like one of those missions trips where like no missions were done. It was just, you just went to Australia. Yeah. And I, think it, I think it made the parents feel better that it was a missions trip. Um, and we were there and I was there with um, our original bass player and we were in a market and he looked like Gandalf and Lord of the Rings was like a really, it was pretty big at the time. Like the last one had just come out. And so a bunch of guys were like, let's go mess with this wizard looking Oh, guy. don't fuck with the wizard. In, you know, in retrospect, um, not a great idea, but I also was taught to be like respectful to people regardless of who they were and elders. So, you know, I was just asking them legitimate questions, but I was certainly skeptical talking to this guy and my throat had been hurting the, the few days before we got to this market and um, I asked him, you know, what do you do? You know, what's your story? And we're standing there and he says, well, I'm, you know, I'm like a fortune teller in a way, um, you know, and I'm a healer. I was like, okay, well, I kind of understand the fortune teller thing. Or I asked him, you know, like, what can you tell me about my fortune? And of course it was spot on, but it was also probably spot on for every other person that asked him it was like, you're, at a crossroads and a decision you have to make in your life, which I was, you know, I like the, I was deciding if I was going to go back to school or, or try this band. And um, so I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, so how are you a healer? And he said, well, do you want me to heal you? Um, and I was like, yeah, sure. Fully skeptical. And he put his hand right in front of my, uh, like my face like this, or, or like right around my chest to my face, right here. And my tongue started to like go back into my mouth and my eyes started to roll back into my head and I started to like pass out. Like I felt almost evil in a strange way. Like it felt dark, like really, really, really dark. And selfishly, I'm like, Oh, do it to him. Do it to him. And I do it to You're my like, friend, I don't want don't, to just do it to me. <laughs> I don't want to do it to me. Yeah, exactly. And he, <laughs> stop it. I don't like it. Um, and he looks at, at Jay, who's still a good friend of mine and Jay's laughing and just sort of going like, ah, you know, like whatever. And he does it. And Jay's laughing and he looks at Jay dead in the eyes and goes, uncloud your heart. And Jay's, demeanor immediately changed from like laughing and sort of making fun of this guy to like the exact same feeling that I had. And he almost like got lightheaded. He got lightheaded and almost passed out. And the two of us just ran. We were like, Oh fuck, we got to get out of here. Like right now. I don't know what that was. And we both went to the back of like this little caravan that we were all in and sat and like for the rest of the day, and still to this day, we talk about that weird experience that we had together. Um, And I actually say the line, Uncloud your heart. I, knew, I, I say it on the new record. It's one of the last lines on the whole record. I was yeah, literally going to put that in one of my heart. songs. Thanks a lot. Do it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take <laughs> oh, you already it, did it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything in my brain is like, where does that go in a song? I'm so happy you put that in a song. It needs to be in a song. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uncloud my heart. Yeah. Well, and he said, uncloud your heart. And so I flipped it, you know, and it was more of a, a an asking of, of God. Uncloud my heart. Oh, I um, love that. Because I'll tell you what. He unclouded Jay's heart that day pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> it sounds too, like too like and and supernatural mine. shit makes me uncloud my heart. 
Makes me stop acting I like understand. a douchebag. Makes me like yeah. my ego calm the fuck down. It makes me find everything yeah. a little bit more humorous. You got to uncloud your heart. I love that. We should end on that. That's amazing. I love it. It's great. And people can hear it I'm on your new record. April 30th, right. Manchester Orchestra. That's right. Oh my God. Woo. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm so excited to hear the new record. And let's both write songs. Oh my God. About please. how embarrassing the other people are. We'll yeah. The the oh day. my God. You could have a field day with how embarrassing I've been. <laughs> Yours is going to be so much easier to write than mine. <laughs> I have to write about you being embarrassing. It's like, you're not embarrassing. You're cool. You're very cool and talented. No, 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 no. Wow, let's, that's let's go, so embarrassing. Let's go, let's go meta with it. We got to go meta with it. <laughs> Nothing uh, specifically embarrassing. <laughs> Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies to steal a moment for yourself before the week ahead. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.